This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It's IGN's weekly Xbox show, episode 567. It's October 26, 2022. Ryan McCaffrey here in the opposite corner, but next to me in the studio, Stella Chung. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Destin Legary from Los Angeles. Hi. Bam. Hey, everybody. And joining us uh, once again by, for, I think, the third time is our friend David Whitaker. You know him as fame. He's from Level 1 Gaming. Good to see you, sir. Hey, man, thanks again for the invite. I'm here for one reason only, and that's to make Destin laugh about something. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're, we're it's a there. noble, yeah, we're all for it. We're all here. Uh, a quick, a couple quick housekeeping notes before we get rolling. I got to do a couple quick plugs. First, IGN.com slash rewards. You've heard me mention this the last couple of weeks. We totally revamped our user reward perk benefit system so sign ups free on that ign.com slash rewards 20 plus perks and discounts we're giving away five gaming chairs as well there's new stuff every week so sign up for that ign.com slash rewards and if you want to be extra awesome sign up for the paid tier which currently has a which is called ign plus because every literally every service is company name plus <laughs> That's we're super original on that. We like to, you know, yes. we like to keep it super original around here. <laughs> anyway, we have a promotional price running on that. 30 bucks for the for the first year. That's 250 a month. And you're gonna get a free Map Genie Plus subscription, which is handy to help you keep track of everything you're doing and all those open world games, which spoiler alert is like literally every game. Uh, free games and free in-game content, and you're helping to support IGN shows like this one. So again, all of that on IGN.com slash rewards and then secondly we have a new app the ign playlist app stella do you have your your uh playlists up on the site i do actually yeah, yeah. and there's a new one that um we did like some promotion thing for that's coming in december or november nice. one of those things yeah i've got some <laughs> we've all most of the staff has some cool playlists like personal playlist stuff up and you can curate your own playlist use the app for it so just download the ign playlist app uh, at IGN.com slash playlist or on the uh, iOS store or Android store. It's basically like Letterboxd is for movies or Goodreads is for books, but for games. So just kind of a fun way you can uh, interact with IGN. All right. That business is out of the way. Let's get rolling. Let's get started. Uh, I want to talk Fallout first today. So Bethesda has announced a next-gen update coming to Fallout 4. It'll be on the way for both the series and the PlayStation 5 next year as part of the 25th anniversary celebration that is uh, wrapping up now for Fallout. Bethesda put up a blog post that announced the long-awaited free next-gen update. It'll come eight years after, almost eight years, I guess, after Fallout 4 was first released, including a performance mode that allows for higher frame rates, a quality mode for 4K graphics, plus bug, bug fixes, and more Creation Club content, which, of course, is Bethesda's official mod support for that game. Uh, Destin, let me go to you first. I know you've played a ton yeah. of Fallout. Does this now... I mean, we've gotten the FPS boost on fallout 4 already is this going to drag you back into the world of fallout for a little while i think i got every single ending in fallout 4 maybe except the last one like one of the harder to get ones but uh 
Yeah, I had a save point right at that point of no return. So I went back through and saw the endings. Yeah. I love Fallout. To answer your question about going back, I might check it out, but I can't imagine myself like diving back into the world of Fallout 4 right now. Not when like... You've done it all so many... already. Yeah, in this yeah. Game. It's kind of like I, I did everything. I installed Fallout 76 and that, that game is still not for me. <laughs> I uninstalled that quite shortly after, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I love Fallout. Uh, honestly, I would hop back into Fallout 3 before I hop back into Fallout 4. Well, uh, Fame, let me go to you here. Your thoughts on this. I mean, I, you got to figure this is not going to come out anywhere near Starfield, right? Because then everybody's going to be too busy playing Starfield. But uh, if you want to chat about that and, and uh, tell me if you intend to go back into Fallout 4 once this happens. There's no way I go back. Um, <laughs> I, I do think it's great. I love when things are continually supported and make things prettier, make things play better. Um, I think that's great. I think um, it's great to see all platforms are getting this update. That's amazing. Uh, I just don't see myself diving back into the game. As great as it is, I think the thing I took away from this is that's going to be a long time before we see Fallout 5. So if you're itching for the next Fallout game, this might be as close as you get to uh, skipping 76 uh, and going right into Fallout 5. This is the closest you're going to get to that, a more of a Fallout, ex a true Fallout experience because it's going to be a very long time before we see Fallout. Yeah, I want to talk I more about that in just a second. Stella, your thoughts here. Is this, like, does this have to come out in the beginning of 2023 to even have a chance of, of getting on your playlist? Because, again, like, I got to figure... Starfield is gonna is gonna be dominating everyone's attention as far as Bethesda games goes yeah. once once that drops. Yeah, I mean, I think most people will go towards uh, Starfield, but I also feel like Fallout just has such a great audience that you know there are so many diehard fans who love it. Yeah. and I honestly really loved Fallout Four, and it's really funny that this news comes out now because I was thinking, hmm, I haven't been into a really good like single player game in a while. I kind of want to do a replay of Fallout Four because. I loved that game so much. That was my introduction to Fallout. Um, and I actually got a Stimpak tattoo on my arm because of it. Nice. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I'll play this again because I actually did play this on PC with a controller just because I wanted to like sit back and kind yeah. of like explore the world that way. Um, and I played it very like high charisma, high strength. So if I couldn't convince someone that I wanted to do <laughs> you something. You could convince exactly, someone. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, maybe I go a different route because that was very like, I use like the rocket powered bats and stuff. And I was like, this is this is a little too easy. So I want to make it a challenge for myself. So it's really funny because I, I don't know. Um, I don't mind waiting to play Starfield because then like, you know, there's going to be this rush, everyone playing. Um, I don't mind waiting on releases, though I know Destin's going to make me play it because he's my <laughs> boss and he makes me record gameplay. Um, but for me personally, I would totally play Fallout 4 over Starfield for a bit just because it holds a really good place in my heart and yeah. I I loved the game. So, so. you're saying like to, to wait for a patch or two on Starfield, you you dip yeah, into yeah, actually, Fallout 4 next exactly. gen? Yeah, because like before I started working at IGN, I would never buy a game right at launch. I would yeah. always wait for like the fixes to come in and everything, um, which again, Destin's not going to let me do. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, if this was me, like outside of IGN, I would totally play Fallout 4 um, on Xbox. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I can't blame anybody like that. for that. Yeah, go ahead, Destin. <laughs> I like that Stella's just like making up assignments in her head that I'm going to get. He's definitely going to force me to play my favorite game of all time. What a terrible boss he is. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you're right, though. It's like there, 
games nowadays, particularly big open world games, yeah. there is a, there are a lot of good reasons to wait and not jump in at launch. I mean, the you you the trade off is you're not necessarily in on the water cooler conversation, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you get a better experience when it hits. I mean, the of course the most extreme example that we've all lived through is Cyberpunk 2077. Like, yeah. if you're only just coming to that now, you're getting a pretty damn good video game. But if you were there <laughs> on day one, particularly on a, on any console, yeah, uh, in, in December of 2020, that was a those were some sad water cooler conversations yes. <laughs> back then. On Fallout 4, really quick, I want to say that it's awesome that they're doing this, regardless yes. of whether or not I'm going to hop in and play it again. The main reason for that is because I literally had to live in this game for like a month. Like Mark literally, made... they coded you in the game, and you like no, in like the Matrix, every day you transported every... your consciousness into it. And I every day that. at IGN, I'm into it. when Mark started, actually, he worked on Fallout content, and then Fallout Four came out, and we built a monster pit where we would have monsters fight. I remember that. Oh my god! About it. I remember and that. We did like mod montages, and I was playing the game at home, so like. This was everything I did for like a month. It was the big game That's fair. at the time. So when you ask if I'm going to hop back in it, probably not because I feel like I conquered every yeah. aspect of it. But I think it's great because it is going to give people a better experience on next-gen consoles, and they're going to enhance it. Now, inversely, like uh, sometimes people remake games or like do a, a heavier uh, polishing of a product. I have to wonder if this is the Xbox's answer with the TV show coming around the corner. Mm. Also a good point. Yeah, we got the first teaser of of that show, uh, the first still, like a promotional yes. still, and it's it's looking out, uh, it's, I guess it's looking into a vault. Or no, out of the vault? Out, looking out of the vault, like, right, because there's yeah, the door. Yeah. Yeah, looking out of a vault, and you see some people in a in a Vault 33 suit. And mm -hmm. from for all of our experts on Fallout at IGN, apparently thir Vault 33's never been in any official Fallout canon up till now, which makes sense, yeah. right? Because that allows the showrunners to just do whatever they want in Vault 33 without screwing with any of the other canon. Um, Fame, I want to come back to you because you, you brought up a great point about about uh, the the long wait for Fallout Five, and tell me if you agree or disagree. I think that this Fallout Four next gen update is going to be the only or the last Fallout we get on the Xbox Series S and X consoles because I think Fallout Five's a next generation from now. You you think I'm crazy, or do you think uh, you with me on that? Uh, I've never thought you were more crazy till right now. <laughs> I, I think. The, the fact that we're still getting releases for the Xbox One lets me know that it's called, we're we're no longer in the times where we're to, we're going to cut off the previous uh, generation. So if if the game is eight years from now, we're looking at maybe another uh, mid gen refresh. Um, there's a chance. I, I I think at least the Series X, maybe not the S. Maybe right. we might fall into that weird spot to where the S just can't cut it anymore. I can definitely see the Series X being the Xbox One's like, what, did we really just release it right here? Yeah, because most people are still playing on the series. So, normally I'd be with you, but let me, let me present my case to why I think this could be, this Fallout 4 next-gen patch might be the only next Fallout we get this generation. So, uh, you already hit on it. You, you're saying eight years is your, uh, your timeline for Fallout 5, and I think you might be right on the money, because if we map this out, 
We know it's Todd Howard's team at Bethesda Game Studios. And so we know that that team still hasn't finished Starfield. So we're about uh, eight to nine months. Let's call it eight. Eight months. I mean, it's going to be mid-2023 unless they surprise us. And it's still going to be March or April. Like, it's, it's still... That's not finishing till next year. Then you've got, we know that team will go from pre-production on the Elder Scrolls VI into full production. That game's going to take a minimum, like an absolute minimum of three years, but that's probably not even, it's probably going to be four or five years. So we're already at that point into, let's say, so 2023, we're into 2027, maybe 2028. For for Elder Scrolls Six, which already sounds like so far in the future that we'll all be dead of some sort of like <laughs> meteor strike or Ugh. or plague or whatever, but actually living in Fallout World, right? By the time exactly, <laughs> and then so and then you know because Todd Howard confirmed to me in this when I was sitting in this very studio interviewing him a few months ago after the showcase that Fallout Five would be their next project. So Fallout Five is not getting sent out to. Obsidian, it's not like it will be kept. It will be done in-house by Todd's team, which means you can say count on another three to five years for Fallout 5 after the Elder Scrolls 6 ships. We're into the 2030s. Yeah. The oh, 2030s wow. before we see Fallout 5. So there is no way that it's that, that game sees the light. of the, Like Starfield, I see your point about, well, you know, cross-gen and what we've seen with this generation but remember starfield's not coming out on xbox one like if that line gets drawn at some point where you you no longer support the previous xbox so i think fallout 5 is going to be far enough away where it's an xbox series y game it's not a series x game <laughs> so uh, we'll see but if if i if any of us are still working here at that point that'll be then we'll look back. We'll just look back on this episode. It'll be look yeah. a look how young we were, <laughs> and b like look, and then we'll say look how either right or wrong we were about that whole Fallout Five segment we did back on episode five hundred sixty-seven. We're gonna I'll prove you same. wrong with our Fallout Five Xbox Series X review. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> we might. We might. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's the timeline is very. Uh, It'll make your head explode if you think about it too hard. Yeah. But yeah, as as uh, one of you noted, I apologize, I forget which. Somebody was t- brought up the Fallout TV show, and so Destin. yeah. Thank you, Destin. He's very forgettable. It's okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Getting spicy already today. <laughs> Getting spicy at May fourteen of the podcast this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, can the Fallout? Well, here, let me put this to you, Destin. Let's say the Fallout show on is good. Can it last eight to ten seasons to bridge us to Fallout Five, the game, in terms of keeping the momentum of the IP going, all that stuff? I don't think I'd want it to last that long. Yeah. I don't want it to be like Walking Dead and overstay its welcome after <laughs> oh, season God. four. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, I think Fallout is just a, a major release. Let's say you're you're on the money. What'd you say? 2030 for Fallout? Well, just the 2030s. Again, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, eight, I think you know, Fame said eight years. I think it's I think it's seven at the absolute minimum, but more close ten on the other side. So yeah, probably 
probably in the eight to nine more likely, which, yeah, which would put us yeah. 2030 to 2032 kind of range, which is, mm-hmm. again, just unfathomable to my brain at this point in time. Uh, I would guess, what is this, 2022 right now, they confirm that that's their next game. So, like, it's 2027, it's five years down the road. I I think, like, the TV show would be a point of interest for two of those years. That, that'd be two, three seasons, right? And then 2027, a five-year development cycle. Well, you're forgetting we about The Elder marketing. Scrolls Six. Don't forget Elder they got to do that. Elder Scrolls 6 is after. Elder Scrolls 6 is after, and they said they haven't even touched No, it's it's next. It's after Starfield. Elder Scrolls is next. Yes. And then Fallout. Then Fallout. I had them mixed up. Yeah, no worries. Up. I got you. Yeah. I got oh, you. Yeah. That's, that's well, what I'm saying. So it's not it's no. out of this decade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be a ways off. So the point is play this fallout 4 next gen update enjoy this next gen update for fallout 4 because it is probably going to be the only uh proper next gen release that we get on the series x console uh speaking of consoles though xbox console sales are also on the way up according to microsoft's first quarter earnings report now they as we know they don't typically give hard numbers, but they give percentages and context. So they reported that hardware sales were up 13% for the period between July and September. That's their first quarter. I don't know why they align it that way. Some companies do. Anyway, up 13% year over year from the the quarter that just finished compared to the same time last year in 2021. Uh, Now, for more context, at least that we can provide, last year... At, for so in 2021, those the console the hardware sales were up 166 percent over that same uh, three month window in 2020, which of course was before the Series X came out and nobody was buying Xbox Ones at that point because we were all waiting for our Series Xs. Uh, and then to to break it down a little more, Microsoft sold a whole lot of Xboxes in its <laughs> in its uh, in this last quarter, uh, and it's just continues to be on the up and up uh record quarter for the console business at microsoft at 3.61 billion dollars just in this quarter and then total microsoft revenue 50 billion dollars up 11 percent year over year so uh, the arrow pointing up for microsoft and then one other note uh microsoft ceo satya nadella revealed that pc game pass subscriptions specifically calling that those those out separately from the console subscriptions are up 159% from the same time last year and PC Game Pass only launched 3 years ago so continued massive growth there uh, and 20 million people have used the Xbox cloud gaming services Destin you love the the console wars you you like to roll around in the mud it with, find them with interesting. Those. Yes. Tell me, yeah. give me your reaction here on uh, on you know where where Microsoft is and where they're going based on these numbers. Well, first of all, I told you so a year ago. <laughs> like the writing was on the wall. Xbox was improving their services, like constantly working towards improving their services. They're making smart purchases, and they have the money to do so. And one of those smart purchases might be. Activision in the near future. We'll see how that all pans out in the coming months. But I think they just continue to grow from here. 
Now, this does seem to focus uh, largely on the, the console aspect, which I honestly think is less important than the, the cloud and Game Pass aspect that you mentioned in the beginning, right? Uh, in the subsequent points. I think that's where they're going to be making the bulk of their revenue. We talked off camera how they're doing like a live Q&A thing right now where they said Game Pass prices or console prices might increase next year. Mm. And I think all of us are aware that Game Pass would increase its price at some point because the value is too good. Yeah. If that was next year when all of these big titles are hitting, that's when it's going to make, make sense to do it. The yeah, I agree being, The point being that Sony has been the market leader for a very long time versus Xbox, and then Nintendo's out there also. I think things are going to get a lot more even in the coming years, and I think that is great because it is going to push both of these companies to continue to figure out how they offer better things to entice people to utilize their consoles, utilize their services, and get better deals for customers at the end of the day. That's really exciting to me. I hope Xbox is working towards just having a, a killer slate of exclusives because that's the one thing where, sure, you've bought all these companies. We still need to see those exclusive exclusives coming out consistently. And that this year, they all got pushed to next year. So like that's your time to start hitting that cadence. Fame, uh, where's Xbox going from here? Well, I, I do want to say first, I think with the growth that we're seeing, it is a huge testament to uh, what Microsoft is doing with the Xbox brand. Because we got to think, when we see positive numbers and positive growth without a single first-party exclusive, that lets you know that, hey, people believe in what's coming. People believe in the third-party partnerships that Microsoft are, are creating with, with developers and publishers. Um, Xbox is going up. There, there's nowhere... There's nothing that we can see uh, in the last six months to a year that show that they will be on a downward trend, right? And then next year, when you get the guaranteed, I'm hoping, I don't want to knock on knock on wood, Starfield and Redfall, along with maybe some of those other games we didn't quite expect that maybe drop next year, you're going to see these numbers go up tenfold because, again, these numbers are great, and this is without those big or pretty much any first-party uh, content coming from the console this year. So kudos to Microsoft, man, because... They've really been working and working hard to build the Xbox brand. So they're correlating it with gaming. And that's what gamers at the end of the day, what they truly care about. Stella, uh, first of all, we're watching a montage of yeah. excellent <laughs> games that you can play on your Xbox. And when Back for Blood came up, I just thought back with such fond memories to that that time we all jumped on <laughs> and played four-player co-op for a while. and. Oh. That was that was really fun. That that made me miss so made me miss playing that. So uh, are you with the uh, the guys here that that this is like the floor for Xbox that it's heading up from here? Yeah, when you when you asked um, where do you where is Xbox going from here, I was like up, obviously, very much so. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I I know that um, some of our commenters they're very much like into the console wars as well. They are very much into like Xbox needs to be doing more exclusives and stuff. But I think. Xbox has done a really good job of kind of shifting to the modern environment of games where exclusivity, okay, that's fine. Like, yeah, some games maybe have a timed exclusive, but honestly, you just benefit more from your community by expanding your audience. And Xbox has been doing a great job of that. I mean, PC Game Pass 
the the subscriptions being up 159% from the same time last year. That's huge. huge. Yeah. And like every single person that I know who plays on PC has PC or Xbox Game Pass because now they have an Xbox or they have a PC and like for me at least any game that I'm just like, "Oh, you know, I don't want to play that on my PC. I want to offload it to my Xbox because I don't have space on my PC." I just play it on Xbox. Um, so I feel like Microsoft has just done a really good job of just being able to transform their platform into something that modern gamers can enjoy. And it's not that like, oh, it's either Switch or Xbox or PlayStation anymore. And um, that's one of the things that I keep telling PlayStation that they need to do. They need to get with the times, understand that their audience could be so much more if they did expand. So I, I like how console wars have been, become... Um... Gee, I hope company X does better things for customers. <laughs> like that's where we're at where you're like, oh, there's Destin console warring again. <laughs> like I like a good value. Oh, there he goes. You know. Uh well, I think Fame hit the nail on the head here because yeah, this is you're absolutely right, Fame. They they've they've accomplished these numbers and this success by w without giving anybody a, a big exclusive new game reason, let alone reasons, to jump in this year. Okay, 2021, we had Forza Horizon 5, we had Halo Infinite, we had uh, Microsoft Flight Sim. And two of those are probably going to have a pretty good long tail for people that, you know, of course, they're on they're on Game Pass. For anybody that jumps in and gets a console this year, or next year, the year after, they're still probably going to want to check out Halo and they're going to want to check out Flight Sim. Forza Horizon 5, that's going to be a shorter shelf life just because there will inevitably, inevitably be a Forza Horizon 6. But yeah, it's Microsoft has, has done all this. They haven't pulled any demand levers. And they're, the two primary demand levers, Fame hit on one of them, which is a big one, exclusive games. We've had, there have been, there's really been nothing of note this year. And I don't, I don't mean that to say there haven't been good games, but those big AAA tentpole releases, you know, Sony's had those this year. Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 6, uh, and... Um, uh, God of War right around the corner, and Microsoft just hasn't had that. They will next year with Starfield, with Redfall. We'll see what else makes it into 2023. But and to that and to that point, Ryan. Yeah, the value proposition is there. They're like, I can pay full price for Plague Tale, but that's a game where I could just subscribe to Game Pass this month, month, and uh, just play through it in its entirety. And and in addition, uh, you can just earn your Game Pass thing quite easily with reward points like if you're just doing the one dollar thing that's very easy to earn in like a day or two yeah yeah and then uh thank you yeah the the other big demand lever that that they have not pulled yet is price when the time is right they can pull that lever and drop the price of the two consoles and guess what that's going to bring more people into the ecosystem and that's also going to drive, when that happens, that will also drive more Game Pass subscriptions because by, by the time the price drops, the Game Pass catalog, that first party catalog will have built up a significant bit more. So yeah, it's, there is kind of a snowball effect here that's waiting to happen for Xbox. And this is like, this the snowball, it's a little, it's a little snowball at the top of the hill right now. Yeah. And it's already sitting pretty and it's just going to, it's going to start picking up speed and momentum and getting bigger. Uh, as it heads heads downhill. Destin, I, I do want to circle back before we move on to our next story. I think you brought up a really good point about, uh, well, you know, calling back to that Phil Spencer quote about the possibility that we could see price increases. And I think you're absolutely right that Game Pass will go up. 
Do you think? Uh, do you think we're, we go straight to twenty dollars a month on the on ultimate from fifteen to twenty, or do you think we see a a, a stopgap? We see a little a little pit stop at like eighteen dollars before we get there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think ultimate is twelve ninety nine and regular is fifteen nine. Ten and fifteen. Okay. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, oh, okay. fifteen for uh, ultimate. And I think they go to seventeen. Seventeen ninety nine. I don't think they go to nineteen ninety nine. Fame, you think? I, uh, I think the. I what think do you the say? Family pass will be nineteen ninety nine. That we discussed. I, I right, totally well, agree. I, I was thinking eighteen. Eighteen sounded right to me. Seventeen ninety nine. I yeah. think you can get away with that. I think twenty would be too much of a. Oh, too big, too fast for a lot of people. But seventeen, eighteen sounds great. Yeah, Stella. Yeah, I think they'll gradually increase it like that. Sound. Yeah. I wonder. Well, I'll just see then what the. Just console only Game Pass sub mm. goes from ten to second, maybe go probably 12. to twelve. 12, yeah. Twelve maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably fair. Uh so yes, a lot of optimism. Uh, a lot of good news on the financial side for Microsoft with regard to the Xbox. And it's and they they're just getting started. Uh getting restarted is Silent Hill. <laughs> Silent Hill is finally back. Uh, it's going to be coming back in a big way. So several projects on the way. I want to go over these real quick because there are some other uh, really fascinating topics I want to cover this week. So we have a Silent Hill 2 remake from Bloober Team, the folks that did The Medium, which of course was a timed Xbox exclusive at the beginning of last year. God, time flies. <laughs> I, I, wanted, I thought that was this year, but no, that was last year. Oh. The medium was a while ago already. Uh, anyway, so Bloober Team is now doing a Silent Hill 2 remake. Not for Xbox, though. Mm. Exclusive for PS5, also coming to PC. So that's a bummer. But we do have Silent Hill F, which will be a new game set in 1960s Japan. A narrative-driven spinoff will be written by acclaimed Japanese writer Ryokishi 07, who created visual novels like uh, Higarashi and Umaniko. Uh, the spinoff will juxtapose a beautiful and terrifying world and focus on the psychological, supernatural mysteries of Silent Hill. It's also being developed by Neobard, a studio that has helped develop Capcom's most recent games like uh, Resident Evil Reverse. The producer on this, on Silent Hill F, is Motoi Okamoto, a Nintendo veteran who worked on games like Luigi's Mansion and Pikmin. Nice resume there. Then we have Silent Hill Townfall, a new spinoff developed by No Code Studios. They made Stories Untold, and that's going to be published by Annapurna, who has a pretty good track record of picking good games and good studios to work with. This new project will be a unique take on the Silent Hill franchise from a highly decorated AA developer. And finally, at least on the games front, there's a movie project too, but the other game is Silent Hill Ascension, an immersive project where participants around the world will control the characters in a new Silent Hill story. Basically, a Let's Play Pokemon version of a new Silent Hill story that will be live on multiple platforms. It's a collaboration between uh, GenVid Entertainment, Bad Robot Games, Behavior Interactive, and DJ2. Uh, let me go around the room. Hype levels for these. Stella, I'll start with you. Um, I've never played a Silent Hill game. Uh, but I know that the environments are really cool. Um, I know that the stories are generally very captivating and very well written. So for me, this would probably be my first foray into Silent Hill. Um, I don't do well with horror games where it's like jump scares, like Five Nights at Freddy's or something. So, um, and I recently played Dead Space and now Callista Protocol. Um, 
So this seems interesting to me, especially the teaser that we got for Silent Hill F. It seems like a very interesting setting. Um, it looks gorgeous, but also gross and creepy. And I'm like, you know, it looks pretty enough that I'm interested in figuring out what the story is. So um, I'm not like dying to play them, but I will probably play them. Yeah, sounds like a perfect assignment after that spiciness at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> he did. He did make me play. What was it? The the Resident Evil remake that came out at the it, like 2020. He made me play yeah. that, and I had to play. I had I to did. record the whole gameplay, and like I jumped so many times that you can see when I jump, like the character also moves up <laughs> a little bit. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he, he's having the light bulbs removed from your room, so you have to play yes. it in the dark. Yeah, and, he, yeah. he specified, yeah, you have to play it in the dark. <laughs> uh, fame, hype, hype check on the, the, this big old return of Silent Hill after many, many years. Well, well first I want to say, I'm, I got to write a letter to the CMA and let them know that it's not fair that Xbox isn't getting Silent Hill 2. <laughs> That's completely unfair, and I think we should do something about that. Um, you know, I, I was excited originally about... Um, the uh, Silent Hill F, uh, or I think 1960 Japan, I was like, oh yeah. Then I saw, I was like, oh, it's the team that did Resident Evil Reverse. And I was like, aw. Um, but the other one, it was the Townfall. Anna Pearl, Anna, Anna Perna is such an amazing uh, developer. Uh, I'm excited about anything they put out. So that's where my hype is right now. Um, but yeah, Silent Hill 2, I gotta, I gotta write a nice long letter to the CMA. <laughs> yeah it's like turnabout is fair play hey cma there guess what what's up with this destin where are you at with these dear these four? cma <laughs> we don't think this is fair no, i'm just kidding uh silent hill 2 uh it's pretty awesome to see that they're they're going to be tackling a remake for that one and i'm intrigued by the the other projects that they mentioned for silent hill that stream was a lot bigger than I expected it to be. I'm like, oh, okay, Konami, just whatever, right? But uh, it seems like they're actually doing stuff with their IPs, which is, which is awesome to see. There are some other IPs, Metal Gear, that I hope that they <laughs> work on again because uh, if they're doing this for Silent Hill, I hope it goes well, and I hope that signals to them that it's okay to revisit some of these older games again that are beloved by yeah, I think Konami is doing the smart thing here in partnering with external developers, but also, I mean, I'm giving them credit. It is the smart thing. They seem to be, have chosen some <clears throat> really good fits for partners, but they also, this is also by necessity because to the best of my knowledge, they don't have an internal AAA development team anymore because that all dissolved when the Kojima partnership mm. devolved, uh, dissolved. So, you know, they, they don't, they couldn't do this stuff in-house. I don't think, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a, you know, 100-plus person, super talented team within the walls of Konami still that, that could, uh, could have done something like one of these games. But it does seem like they've chosen carefully. And, and I'm going to echo, I'm going to make it unanimous here. I, I also, Silent Hill F is also the yeah. most, most oh, yeah. intriguing of all these. I mean, A, narrative-driven. Okay, you're already barking up the right tree with me <laughs> on that. Uh, and then you've got a producer who, who did, I mean, I loved Luigi's Mansion. Pikmin was awesome. So you've got a, a promising resume there. I confess I'm not familiar with Ryu Kishio 7, but uh, I, I, I believe it when it says he is, uh, 
he or she is acclaimed. So, yeah, Silent Hill, and then just the idea of, like, okay, 1960s Japan. All right, that's something we don't see in games all the time. So, yeah, uh, it'll be... I'll be curious to see how these end up releasing, because, like, I'll bet we don't see more than one of them a year, right? And I'm sure some of them have, like, like the remake, assuming it's a from-the-ground-up remake, probably takes two to three years just ballparking it. Silent Hill F could take anywhere from two to four years. Townfall, if it's a double-A game from Annapurna, it's probably a slightly smaller team, maybe a little bit of a smaller scope, which is fine. That's probably more like an 18 to 24-month project. Just guessing here, obviously. <clears throat> and then Ascension, which is more of a cross-platform. I don't quite know what to make of that yet, but I'll bet that could be a quicker turnaround based on the sound of it so i suspect these will kind of all strategically release in such a way that um will will be our our thirst for silent hill will be quenched for the foreseeable future once the first one drops uh then the, the other three will follow in some sort of uh padded out but still not too far away timeline next this week CD Projekt Red, we talked about them just two or three weeks ago when they made their big roadmap announcement. Here's, here's the, the next 10 years of our studio. One of those projects was codenamed Canis Majoris. CD Projekt Red has announced what that is. It is a full-blown remake of the original The Witcher. So, And it's going to be done in Unreal Engine 5, uh, developer Fool's Theory, who has some CD Projekt Red veterans from those early Witcher days on the team. And it will be yeah, it will be a true remake with the company saying it will be, quote, rebuilt from the ground up in Unreal Engine 5 and is in the early stages of development. The company cautioned, we want to do this right, so please be patient. It's going to be a while until we can share more details. Fame, you're first. Did you play The Witcher 1 back in the day? Uh, and if so... Or if not, what's your, what's, where's your hype at for an Unreal Engine 5 from the ground up remake of the original? I, 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 have, I have shame, okay? My Witcher um, career started at Witcher 3. Uh, I, I, I have no shame in that. That's where I started it. Um, but they had me on, at, at Unreal Engine 5. Like, I love the Witcher 3, and it's made me want to go back. It made me want to go back and play the original Witcher and also Witcher 2. I never felt like I have a hard time going back and playing certain older titles, especially titles like this that has certain mechanics I don't really like, but I love the game. I love the story. Uh, so I'm I'm extremely excited to play this game. I love it. It's built from the ground up with Unreal Engine 5. I'm hoping a lot of my favorite games that's coming out are using this engine because it seems to be, it's going to be uh, absolutely amazing. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. I didn't play the original, but now I have a reason to I love when remakes are far apart. I don't want to remake from a game from two years ago. Give me, give me seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, built from the ground up. I am there day one. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, this is uh, fifteen years, for, and that's just from now. That's this, this project sounds like won't be out for three years, yeah. give or take a little bit. Given that they're saying, "Hey, please don't, please don't bug us. We're, we're still <laughs> in the early phase of the phases of this." Um, and then you mentioned The Witcher 2. By the way, uh, Fame, there's no, there is no shame in that because I think you're far from alone. I didn't play the original either. No, me neither. Uh, and, you know, oh. it's, 
two was bigger than three and three was big excuse me two was bigger than one and three was bigger than two you know this this is a series that has been continually picking up a lot of momentum the original was successful but each successive one has been quite a bit more successful than the previous one so no shame you are not alone and i think that's a big reason why they're going for this remake is because a lot of witcher fans be they of the games whether it's uh, goes back to two or whether it's just the witcher three they never played this and then of course the people that love the the netflix show which we do know is going to be running for well, we did the math on this the last time. It's going to be going for like another four or five years because they've oh, okay. committed to seven seasons and it's the rate, the, the viewership is high enough where I can't imagine Netflix is going to pull the plug on it anytime soon. The odds of it being of them seeing it through to those full seven seasons are pretty high. So, uh, yeah, this this will probably come out while the show is still on the air on Netflix, which will only help with the buzz. Stella, is this uh, is this remake? Scratching your scratching an itch? Yeah, so I played The Witcher 3 was also my first Witcher game. Um, I definitely got very overwhelmed at how open world it was. Um, so I got very distracted, you know, at accidentally summoning the big like cow monster demon that comes out when you kill too many cows in a village and then he gets really mad and comes to punish you. Uh, so that was really fun because I'm like, there's so much in this game. Um, it, it does make me, I know, this is kind of like looking at something else, but I, this is like, this is really cool because in The Witcher 3, you can play it without having played the other two, but I definitely felt like there was some context that was missing. And um, that's kind of how I felt going into um, Dragon Age uh, Inquisition as well. Three, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just like, well, can they remake the Dragon Age game, the first one? Because everyone loves that one. I would love that. That'd be really cool. So now this just has me thinking, like, it is possible. Please do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I... <laughs> Fame nailed it with like you you had me at Unreal Engine 5 cuz for me this is how you do a remake. Yeah. I mean this you you wait long enough and then you use the use cutting edge tech to remake it once once the you're finally decide to do it. I mean this is it's granted I mean un, we'll have we'll have seen a lot of Unreal Engine 5 games by the time this game ships but that doesn't make the Witcher remake in Unreal Engine 5 any less pretty of a game. This is going to be a gorgeous mm -hmm. video game. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what systems get updated for, because to both to everybody's points, The Witcher Three is has evolved the gameplay systems, and they're probably going to need to go back and and work some of those into this remake. Destin, let's get uh, your perspective on this. I'm really curious if uh, this this uh, marketing surrounding Unreal Engine Five and announcements surrounding Unreal Engine Five has anything to do with how quickly and how good the Dead Space remake is looking in Unreal Engine 5. Uh, we know that that engine is really popular, that the developers are very familiar with it, and they like to use it. There's even been rumors that I've seen online, like I know Paul Tassi wrote about it over on Forbes, that Halo is considering messing around with the Unreal Engine. So this is a very popular uh, tool set that developers love to utilize. We know the coalition is like the master of the Unreal Engine, and they're developing. Uh, uh, just new gears quick, quick, quick correction, Destin. Dead Space remake is is Frostbite, not Unreal. Uh, is it? Yeah, I was just double checking that. Yeah, that is. It's oh. not Unreal for that one. Well, never mind them. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We still love you. Yeah. Um, well, Plague Tale also not Unreal. <laughs> Unreal's great. 
Unreal's great. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, no, well, the, the Halo rumor, yeah, that's, I, I'm waiting to see if that actually becomes like a more either, it gets, either gets confirmed or the, or the noise around that gets so loud that, that uh, it's all but confirmed. But yeah, we'll, we'll, if that comes to pass, we'll certainly, we'll probably spend a whole show on it. But for the time being, yes, the, the, uh, the Witcher, the Witcher 1 getting a remake in Unreal Engine 5, that is going to be, I think that's going to have massive sales potential. Just yeah. absolutely enormous because it'll have been, even if you're a super fan of The Witcher that's that's played all three and spent a ton of time with it, uh, it will have been long enough to fame's point that you're probably going to be eager to go back in, particularly when it's going to look as good as it's going to look in Unreal Engine 5. So good stuff from CD Projekt Red and Fool's Theory, the developer that's managing that, that's uh, doing the doing the legwork on that for CD Projekt. Uh, the, the correction, right? Absolutely. Well, <laughs> better me than the commenters. Let's, yeah. uh, I, got you, I got you back. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's not that we don't make mistakes, but we'll try to catch as many of them as we can. The last news story I wanted to cover this week is another, I think, significant one. The co-founders of Rocksteady Games, of course, makers of the Batman Arkham Trilogy, and currently they've been in development for seven years now on Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. The co-founders, Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker, they are leaving the studio for a, quote, new adventure in gaming. In an open letter... WB Interactive President David Haddad said, quote, with Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League nearly finished, they have both decided to leave Rocksteady at the end of 2022 and will begin a new adventure in gaming. It's not yet clear what that new adventure will be. Uh, it's not just a major change in leadership for the business, but on the creative side, with Sefton Hill having directed all of the Arkham games as well as Suicide Squad. Hill and Walker will be replaced by Nathan Burlow as studio director and Darius uh, Satagin as, part, pardon me, Darius, if I mispronounced that, as studio product director. It's not clear who, if anyone, will take up the reins as director on the so-called almost finished Suicide Squad game. Stella, your thoughts on this first, because this is, uh, this, these, I mean, these are notable. It's not just the founders and heads of the studio. It's, yeah. it's your project director on your three games that that made you superstars it's a little concerning um i know that they said that suicide squad is nearly finished so maybe they're not too worried about this project but it makes me think about well what about the future um so i don't know i i am excited to play suicide squad and i think it looks interesting also i'm just really excited to play as harley quinn and you know go on and cause some chaos and i am interested in the story but mr j yeah, Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic that's your halloween costume right that's it I'm, yeah you, great it's a sneak peek <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it, it is a little concerning i mean i'm i'm happy for them but it's the timing seems a little interesting right like at the end of the game so. i agree uh fame let me go your way for your reactions here Got any no, conspiracy it, it theories or anything concerning. else? <laughs> <laughs> no conspiracy theories. It, it's always concerning when 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 top dogs of a studio leaves when the games are still in production. Uh, I sort of felt that way during uh, Halo Infinite's you know rough start. I was like, oh, people are leaving left and right. Uh, should we be concerned? And so it's always a, a cause of a concern. Um, Suicide Squad is actually one of the games I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we kind of had a debate. Me and uh, Baron is at level one. Just Games, I was like it was a game that would probably get canceled. Uh, something, something about it felt like, oh yeah, this game is going to get canceled. 
Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's definitely a, a cause for concern. But shout out to those guys, man. I hope they find what they're looking for in life. I just really hope this game in particular is really Destin, give me your thoughts before I jump in with my conspiracy theory. I don't know, man. After being at a company for 20 years, I don't think it's that crazy to want to move on. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to be fine. I think there's a lot of other very talented people there. I actually just did an art of the level on the, the combat and the Arkham games and how I think it's one of the best combat systems ever made. We've seen, uh, I don't know what word to use, but reverberations or echoes of that foundation that they built with the Arkham game in other products through the years. Um, I'm very, very happy with what they were able to create. I'm also totally understanding of somebody after 20 years wanting to, you know, strike out on their own. I, uh, so this isn't a conspiracy theory, really. I just, I will say, um, I, I want to be very wrong about what I'm about to say, but what they have shown us so far from this game I'm having a hard time getting hyped up for it. Mm. It just looks like a generic shoot purple stuff. I mean, it, it looks like a a, a a co-op shooter that we get we've seen before. Um, I know. Okay, they want to move on from Batman. I get that. Um, I don't know. I, I of course I'm reserving judge. I haven't played it yet. Yeah. I, we've only seen a little bit of it, but thus far, I'm not feeling it yet with this game. Um, well, and th it does not inspire any more confidence that the two found that the forget about the founders that the project director has left the project. I, I mean, the, the head of WB interactive can say it's nearly finished, but there's no release date for it yet yeah. until, so I don't think it's nearly finished. I mean, I guess in the span of an eight year dev cycle, which is what this game has been, cause clearly they've worked through different iterations of this they may maybe they scrapped something after three years and started over i mean game development's hard uh, but it, yeah it is it is concerning that the director of the project and the person that's directed all of their batman games is is out the door um i don't know i it it is i'll be, i'm gonna need to be won over by this by this game uh, not that the game owes me anything, because obviously it doesn't, and I'm sure lots of people are going to love it, and I hope I'm one of them. But if if my spidey sense comes out turns out to be right on this, my hope will be that they pivot back and uh, and go back to Batman. Now their Batman story is done. Like the that if you've mm -hmm. finished Arkham Knight, you know what happens at the end of the story. But what I want to see, and I'm by the way, this is hardly an original thought this is uh i'm just echoing what many people are saying and i'm one of them and it's uh rocksteady if you're watching this batman beyond it's gonna be time once suicide squad's out the door it's time let's go back to batman but batman beyond would give them the chance to stretch their legs in the gameplay department because that batman can fly terry mcginnis that suit you can fly. So you can do, right off the bat, you can do more cool stuff. You got flying cars. You got a whole new wave of enemies. Uh, you've got a whole new cast of characters to play with on the story side. And your art director can go absolutely nuts <laughs> in a Batman Beyond game. Uh, and we know how beautiful those three Batman Arkham games were. Beyond would be a whole different artistic creative challenge. And I would love to see him take it on. And I know, I know it's... Uh, 
It's a little dickish of me to like already be looking past Suicide Squad when I haven't even played it, and I, I hopefully I'll love it, and hopefully it'll be great. But yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's at least if not a red flag, it's a yellow flag, a little caution flag going up uh, with with this news. I, I think Batman Beyond would have been perfect to launch now instead of Suicide Squad. There's so many things, so many projects surrounding Suicide Squad. They must have some sort of market data that says people want to play these characters now. They're tired of Batman for some reason, which it's really hard for me to wrap my brain around <laughs> because Batman has so many iconic characters in that franchise. I, I think right now would have been the time to launch a Batman Beyond. That's not going to happen now for five, seven years. And by that point, I feel like it'd be too niche of an of a IP to resurface at, at that time period. I'm I'm with you, Ryan. I was I was like giving them the benefit of the doubt about Gotham Knights. The biggest problem with Gotham Knights is that there are echoes of what the Arkham series did in terms of stealth and in terms of combat, but they just went a totally weird direction with it, where it seems like it was going to be like a Avengers style game, like the DC Avengers style game, but with echoes of the Arkham series, and it did not resonate with me. I know a lot of people are, are big comic book fans and enjoying it, but like, man, the performance and the combat just not sticking the landing, in my opinion, really, really killed any joy I had there. Separately, I'm worried about Suicide Squad, Squad now because of what WB Montreal did with Gotham Knights. So, what do you mean by that? Out of curiosity, because those are you know we're talking about two different developers. So, what's what's but your intertwined? But because the Arkham series had Arkham Origins and they were worked so closely together. Um, I'm concerned because of how Gotham Knights panned out that maybe that could have implications that there's more trouble with these IPs than we, we realize. Well, maybe. I hope not. I mean, uh, I think the, the connection you'd be, you're, you're reaching for here would be some sort of like publisher level uh, intervention for the negative. That would really be the, the only way that Gotham Knights being a disappointment could could really impact Suicide Squad, I think. Gotham Knights, there's no way the developers on that game and the QA team on that game didn't see the stuff that I saw. Like that stuff got flagged. And and like that's that's what really bothers me when a game like that is released, because if people like just don't talk about that those things, then the publisher won't like make that a priority, right? So I do worry about publisher oversight with products like this. And I'm very, I don't understand the, the target audience for Suicide Squad either, right? So to me, these are two games, Gotham Knights, which a good premise, it should have been a wonderful game, but they just have a lot of problems. Like they could have delayed that game like three more months and at least addressed their performance issues. And then you also have uh, Suicide Squad coming out quite soon. And uh, I'm hoping that's also not um, impacted by any sort of timeline that's been set or expectations for uh, a service type game that are going to surprise us at launch. I got to get to trivia, but we got to get out of here. But before I do, Fame, I want to give you the last word. Batman Beyond, are you with me or are you, are you all in on Suicide Squad? One million Squad? percent. Plus one. Maybe percent plus one. Give me Batman Beyond. I'd be happy, man. Excellent. Happy, man. You and me both. Love it. All right. Trivia time. Aaron from Sydney, Australia, whose gamer tag is Ice Ace Inferno, asks, which of these 90s games did not 
have a some sort of sequel or return on the Xbox 360? Was it Splatterhouse, Banjo Kazooie, Earthworm Jim, or Chrono Cross? I'll go to our guest first, David Fame, ENT2K, Whitaker, Level One Gaming, LV, LVL1Gaming.com. You know him, you love him. Let's test his trivia knowledge. This is a tough one. That is tough. That is tough. I, I, that, when, I, when I saw the list, I hear the names. I know Earthworm Jim had a had an HD type deal happen. Okay. I, I went over Chrono Cross. I, I okay. think I'm wrong. I reserve the right to be wrong. Let me get the scoreboard. All right, you're on board Chrono Cross. So let's see. You've got a point this year, by the way. So you're looking to add to your tally, which is awesome. Stella, I'm going to go your way next. I was also going to go, go Chrono Cross, but like, I don't. What What is Splatterhouse? Like, what? what? It is. Uh, well, all right. I'll tell you the. So the original uh -huh. is definitely uh, near and dear to my heart because I had a TurboGrafx 16. Ooh. That's how old <laughs> that game is. So from late 80s, like or 1990, not maybe 91 at the latest. And it was uh, you. You effectively you played. Uh, we played a guy named Rick who was basically Jason. He had this like hockey okay. mask that transformed uh, him into a. Okay, I and see. And you went around just slashing demons in this like haunted house. Huh. Okay. I guess that's why it's called Splatterhouse. I was thinking it was like some sort of like paintball game or something. <laughs> <laughs> if Nintendo made it, yes, that's, yeah, that would okay, be the product description. <sighs> I don't know. There it is. Look at that. Our super producer, Red, <laughs> yes. on oh, wow. fire. That is those, that is original Splatterhouse footage wow. right there. Okay. Graphic 16, TG-16, <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> is that on his butt? <laughs> uh, it looked like his leg, but... <laughs> um, shoot, I don't know. Um... Did not have a sequel or return on the Xbox 360. So three of them did. Yeah, three of these games did have some sort of return, some sort of new version on the 360. I'm gonna be different and go with A. Splatterhouse. Yeah. All right. Destin, that leaves you. Stella, unfortunately, that is incorrect. There was a Splatterhouse game or a Splatterhouse oh, there was? sequel oh, no. made on the 360. It uh, focused on combat, and it was kind of cool, actually. Okay. Um, with well, The combat was sort of cool, if I remember correctly. Okay. Anyway, uh, I believe there was a Banjo-Kazooie Yeah, he looks exactly the like me. There it <laughs> yeah, is. He, he this does. is one of the games that, <laughs> oh yeah. that I, am, I am in yeah. without them crediting me wow. or, or giving permission, giving uh, uh, getting permission for my... Uh, oh. For, for my facial likeness. likeness. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay. I believe there was a Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> game on the 360 uh, era uh, because I remember the, the marketing around it, but I'm wondering if that was the Smash thing. I'm also going to go Chrono Cross. Okay. No, I, I swear Cross if it's D, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> and uh, But it's either Chrono Cross or Banjo. How upset are you going to be if it's D? It is D, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I, my I, God. I want to know if I should, like... Leave the Distance room if it's going to be... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's D. It's going to Oh, across. no! Sometimes it's okay to be with the crowd. <laughs> nice job, Destin. Yep. Nice job, uh, Fame. Let's get you guys some points. Yay! There's two for David. Where and am I at? Destin, you have, you're now tied with Miranda for second. De De Stella, you're still in first place with, by one point. So it's <sighs> Stella it nine. Okay. It could have been two. Yeah, nine <laughs> to eight is okay. the, the current standing. Excellent question here from Aaron in Sydney, Australia. Thank you so much for listening slash watching Podcast Unlocked. If anybody else out there has a good Xbox trivia question, I need them. I need them to feed my little baby birds over here <laughs> to test them out each and every week. So send them in unlocked 
at IGN.com. That's the email address. Don't forget to include, of course, the question, but your name, your gamer tag, if you'd like it, the four multiple choice answers. I need those and note the correct answer in your email. It's time to hit the road though. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. The High on Life IGN first rolls on. Also, my Tales from the Borderlands review is up. If you have not seen that yet, I gave it a seven. I have to be honest, I initially had a six on the draft. Went with seven because I had to stop and think, so seven means good. That is what the the translation is. And at the end, my problems with it, I still thought it was good. So Thought it was good. If you want to find out more, it's a totally spoiler-free review. I purposely omitted anything even that's remotely a spoiler, so you can read it or watch it on IGN or IGN's YouTube channel. Fame, good to have you back. Good to see you. Get yourself a plug here. Where can everybody follow you on the website, on social media, etc.? Yeah, uh, at LV1Gaming.com. Uh, it's a little site that we run that we've been... Honestly, having a lot of fun, doing a lot of traction at F A M E E N T on Twitter, and then I do want to get big shout out to IGN tomorrow. Uh, Black Voices in Gaming will be hosted by a level one gaming writer, uh, Destiny Cleveland. So I'm super excited about that. So shout out to IGN for Black Voices in Gaming. Excellent, Stella. Yeah, I am at Parallax Stella everywhere, and my Callisto Protocol preview came up. A lot of people think it's a review for some reason, even though there's no score. I, people um, tend to do like it's <laughs> literally there's a P on the front. This review was great. Do you see a number on there? There's no number. It's they just, not. They just think the P is like the P in pterodactyl. I guess like it's weird. <laughs> I don't know, but they also don't read. So if you have complaints, like read my full essay and then tell me if you still have the same complaints you had. But yeah, my preview preview is up and um yeah generally i liked it it just took me a minute to get used to it so fair enough destin take us home yeah my uh god of war ragnarok preview <laughs> that everybody's calling a review is also live uh, uh pretty happy with how that turned out a lot of people seem to enjoy it so thank you for watching that if you have um more content coming soonish anyway lots of stuff going on in the background for ign so just stay tuned we've got a lot of cool live streams and stuff coming up uh, separately, uh, order cookies over at Legary Bakery. We make a vegan cookie that Ryan would uh, recommend, I believe. It's I do so, I legit do recommend it. I'm not just saying that because we're on yeah. on a podcast together. Like they're really, really good. Particularly if you have you've got to follow the directions and yeah. heat it up. Mm. It's yeah. super good if you if you give it a little uh, a little heat. Yeah, for sure. So check those out, LegaryBakery.com. Uh, if you want to check out my YouTube stuff, which I'm, I haven't posted because I've been just crazy lately, but youtube.com slash the Destin channel and then uh, twitter.com slash at Destin Gary. Did I miss anything? Anything else I should plug? <laughs> no, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell everybody to go to lv1gaming.com, read what David and the team are up to. They do a great job over there. Uh, do not miss it. Add it to your bookmarks list. Hopefully IGN's on that bookmarks list, but add yes. lv1gaming.com to that bookmark list of yours as well. Visit it frequently because they've always got something new and cool going on. So I want to thank David, our wonderful guest, for making his. Is this, was it appearance number three? Am I remembering correctly? This is number three. Number three. So uh, three. you're on your way to that free that free sub sandwich if you get to uh, make it to <laughs> we'll, we'll get 10 punch cards. I'll take oh, it. Okay. Yeah, 10 punches on the card. Um, all right. And to our super producer, Red, as well, always on top of things. We had some. Uh, fun technical hiccups to work through before we got started today. So I want to thank him for always just getting us through that, navigating the ship. 
And thanks to all of you out there for listening and watching. We're here every week. Podcast Unlocked. It's IGN's weekly Xbox show. This was episode 567. That puts us two-thirds of the way between 500 and 600. We're rolling right along as we do. We'll see you next week.